podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blue Yes, it is the Blue Room Premier League season has started and Everton are not quite up and running in terms of points, but very much up and running in terms of transfers. Loads to speak about this week. Uh, joining me to go through it all are Paul McPartland. Paul, how are you, mate? Yeah, fine. Uh, Mass uh, experience of some reverse sensation of vague optimism about some of our business and the transfer market. So let's hope we continue in that same vein. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Also joining us. Those of you on YouTube will you know, in for a treat with his magnificent hair part today. Is Adam, Adam Sutton. Adam, how are you doing, mate? Obviously, a lot of time spent in front of the mirror, perfecting that before you came on. That's it. I did. I had to double check whether it was on video or not. And, and being the Blue Room's dole, David Beckham, got to keep up appearances, haven't you? So no flat cap today, just a um, bit of hairspray and a brush over. Absolutely. Yeah. And Linda Lloyd from Top Your Web joins us as well, mate. Do, do you take any extra measure before you come on the blue room in terms of getting yourself ready, getting yourself fired up or anything like that, or just, just sort of, especially just rolling out of bed for you at this time, aren't you? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. No, no hair to part for me, unfortunately. So, um, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, yeah, I usually am not prepared enough and I just quickly scramble and get a chair that wouldn't squeak on air. So, but other than that, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorted. I'm ready. And uh, yeah, ready to go. Good stuff. Uh, loads to talk about, as we said. Uh, Everton played a football match on Saturday. Lost 1-0, but some positives to take from it. I'm sure all the lads would agree. We'll speak briefly about that before we go into transfers. And Everton have made two. They might have made three by the time you listen to this. Uh, Connor Cody and Amadou Anana are through the door. Uh, Drissigay looks like he's not going to be far behind them as well. But just, just quickly, lads, I wanted to speak about the stadium. It's been... Well, on Tuesday, it was the one-year anniversary since Everton started work on the site down at Bramley Moor. And, you know, I know Paul and, and Adam, you guys have been in town quite frequently and, and back. And I, I did the same myself on Sunday. I was coming back from the Wirral and, you know, got that train out of that comes out of Moorfields and up. And you can sort of see all over the dock uh, just on the, on the north of the city. And it did just sort of catch my eye as I was going there. And, I, I, you know, you could see you know, what we've all spoken about was going to happen before they started getting built, this this structure sort of emerging from the river. And I know we don't speak about stadiums much on, on these podcasts because, you know, the club do feed a lot of info. A lot of it doesn't really, you know, make you know, stimulate people in that sense. It's not really that interesting a lot of the times. But I don't know about, about you, Paul, but, but seeing the structure take place certainly over the, the past week or so, it, it has got me very excited about Bramley Moor and sort of giving me that knot in my stomach a little bit about leaving Goodison Park as well. It's it's very bittersweet to see that thing start to take shape on the front. Yeah, it's bittersweet, as, as you say, Matt. I mean, like you, I, I, I drove past the uh, 
stage about two weeks ago in the evening and I did a double as Adam mentioned I did a double take what I could open, you, you can see one of the main stands is almost in place there were you no know, the, the structures inside you can imagine what was going to look like when it's finished and even just little things like having the club crest on the walls outside as you drive past now just makes it feel so much real so yeah I mean I, you know, I think I have to commend the club on the progress that they have made because I think being Evertonians we all had our doubts that this this project would ever you know come to fruition and I still think there's always a little down there that it might still not come to fruition but at the moment uh all, all the demands are, are certainly going along the right track there's a really good article uh, from paul joyce on the time flash friday uh about the foundations of the stage on the development work there so it's you know everything's going in the right direction at the moment and uh it will be it will be hard to go to park uh there's absolutely no question about that you know it, it's, it's going to be a wrench you know no matter what age you are it's, it's going to be a wrench and uh but you know if, if you don't move with the times, you stand still, things bypass you. And I think that for, for the modern match day fans, particularly for the younger generation supporters, unfortunately, you know, Goodison Park can't really meet the demands. I, I don't think any more of the modern Premier League club. So we will have to move, but it will be sad. But I'm quite looking forward to the new stadium. Yeah, Adam, I mean, I remember when I first saw the, you know, the, the images of it for the, for the first time when they did the presentation down at the, the Titanic and and got that, oh my God, this is going to be boss sort of feeling. And I've not really had that since I saw it again on, on Sunday night. I mean, you, you were saying yourself, you, you've got that train journey a couple of times as well. How, how do you feel about the way in which it's taken shape down there? It's crazy, isn't it? How it, it feels it's come on so quickly in probably the last two or three weeks, really, isn't it? And I think obviously once a certain type of structure or materials put in place, then you actually start to visualise this is this is happening here and this could be a place that Everton fans will watch Everton from in the near future. So, yeah, I'm the same as you, Matt, really. I, I find it quite hard to get excited by buildings, but um, this building in particular <laughs> seems to be one that I'm uh, very much yeah, excited to see build and obviously be- become our home. But I'm just as excited as the, the stadium itself, it's a little thing, I'm a bit of a... I love like the nightlife and social side of things and the match going experience, which I've, I've mentioned many times on the Blue Room and looking at little bars and restaurants and pubs and just ideas of where you're going to go with the boys or with your, your dad or whoever you go the game with beforehand. That's really exciting as well, because that side of Liverpool is something that is is going under a massive regeneration, really, and, and Bramley Moor is going to be the place that is obviously hopefully the nucleus of it. And yeah, little things down that dock road or the bridge in the gap between town and the stadium is going to be so, so exciting. So yeah, it's um, creeping up on me, the excitement, but I still don't 100% believe that it will happen uh, until I'm sat there <laughs> doing someone uh, just conceding after two minutes in the first derby of Bramley Moor. Yeah, I mean, Lyndon, are you getting excited by, by the buildings that you're seeing down on the front? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I just have to echo that the, the speed that it is going up is is quite surprising. I mean, you know, obviously it's 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 on it's going to to plan and to schedule. And I think I saw someone post that they might actually be ahead of schedule, which is which is you know great because you know I um it, it's funny I the, when I started first developing a website for Everson was just about a year before the um you know Peter Johnson you know the Johnson Dome was proposed. And so, you know, we've got a couple of decades or more, 25 years of, of ACE, you know, this sort of stadium problem that's been hanging around and that, that we never thought would actually be um, solved. 
And and when it did look like it was going to be sold, you know, it would look like we we're going to get shunted out to Kirby. So it's um it, it, it is hard to feel that it's real. Um, I actually I tried to sort of spend a few weeks staying away from the pictures and, and the drone videos. Um, and then I'll come back to them and and you know, kind of really surprised um you know, at, at this at the speed and the progress that they've made. Um and then I mean to, to Adam's point um about that whole regeneration of that area, it's it's there's going to be stuff that's eventually will be there that that we can't even think of right now. I and mean, it, it reminds me of um the San Francisco Giants building a completely brand new stadium down by the water in San Francisco. I mean, when I first came to the city, I was I was parking my car in this enormous car park that is now where the stuff has just grown up around the stadium. Now, obviously, Liverpool doesn't have, you know, the tech money that San Francisco uh, benefited from. But I mean, that entire area has has been completely transformed with, you know, apartment blocks and restaurants um, and supermarkets. And um, it, it, from that perspective, as you say, just filling in that area between town and the dock, um, you know, 10, 20 years time after the stadium is built, if the stadium's the catalyst for all of that, it, it could be unrecognizable. So it's, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and I'm just sort of, you know, dreaming of the day that, you know, I get to get to come over and, and, and be there. Yeah. On a cruise ship, London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is going to be amazing. Just just quickly, Lyndon, for, for those who might not know, can you tell listeners what the Johnson Dome was? Well, the Johnson Dome, it was, it was Peter Johnson. He, he, he wanted to initially move us to, wasn't it? He wanted to move us to, to Aintree, out to the golf course. Um, and then obviously when that didn't come to fruition, it ended up, he wanted to move us to Croton Colliery. Um, and, you know, at the time, it, it, it's funny how you, you kind of have that. And we had the same thing with Mashiri to an extent. If someone comes in with money, and everyone kind of goes, oh, that's great. You know, we'll just throw money and it must be a great idea. Um, and I think, you know, the ballot that he had about 90 odd percent of Evertonians said, yeah, let, let's let's move, you know, and build a new stadium. Um, obviously, it all came it all came to nothing because, you know, it turned out that he wanted to he wanted to, to fleece Evertonians with his with his DJ Spuddles crisps or whatever it was once he got them in there. But uh, yeah, that was the, uh, the ill-fated and uh, never to happen Johnson Dome. Oh, what could it be, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it looks it looks amazing. Looks about anyone who's who's close to that area, I recommend getting down there and having a look at it. Or, or looking right when you're on the train into town, or left when when you're on your way out. It looks absolutely fantastic. But uh, we are at Goodison Park for now, still lads, uh, and we are started our season at Goodison Park on Saturday. A great atmosphere um, under the Goodison Park twilight. Unfortunately, couldn't get a result against Chelsea. One 0 in the end. Um, Paul, what, what what did you make of it? But to, to be honest, it sort of panned out exactly how I expected it, with not much quality in attack for either side. I mean, they've got quality, but not much of a, of a cutting edge. Both teams playing pretty defensively, both teams being quite cautious, and it wasn't a great game. But in the end, Chelsea just just had that edge. I mean, I, I did laugh when they brought Conor Gallagher on for the last two minutes just to kick people and, and run down the clock. And I think that, that sort of sums up <laughs> the difference in the two sides, doesn't it, really, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you looked at the respective benches and they had far more options than what we had you know, to, to, to bring onto the pitch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was quite an overwhelming game. I, th- I think beforehand, not many Blues would have fancied to win that game, given our total lack of striking options. So I was kind of looking to see how we competed, what we were like organisation-wise. And I thought there were lots of pluses from the game. But uh, Jay Kwiatkowski was tremendous at the back again. But he led by example. Uh, Marshall people 
passed, passed the ball exceptionally well, tackled well, anticipated danger. And the, 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 that was a huge positive for me. I, I thought that there were several good performances across the team on Saturday as well. I thought Roby had another, another good game in midfield also. And uh, I thought Patterson and Mikolenko both showing real signs of developing into, into, into good wing-backs. So there were some positives there, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, lack of striking options. I mean, it's unbelievable that we're a Premier League club and we start the season without a single striker, either in the starting eleven or on the bench. And, uh, and I think... Uh, I really don't know how good a player Ella Sims is going to turn out to be, but you're kind of thinking, could we not have delayed his loan to you know, the final day of the transfer deadline window and had him on the bench as an option for Saturday? Because he certainly could not have been any worse than the options we had on the bench that game. So I was quite you know, a bit baffled by that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there were some positives. And I think, okay, I mean, there's rumours at the moment, isn't it, about, about Che Adams possibly joining us Uh I suppose he's some type of upgrade on Salman Rondon because at the moment it looks like Rondon's our main chance. But I think going back to Saturday, uh, yeah, a draw would be an ideal result. And I think if you wanted to summarise what it's like watching Everton sometimes, the whole Ben Godfrey incident from the back pass to the corner that wasn't given for being out to the actual injury that breaks his leg just en- encapsulates what Everton can do to you in, in, in the space of 30 seconds. And uh, you just knew, didn't you, that you always know, can't say, yeah, you mean it. When there's nobody around him, he gets injured. He's the only defender and no who gets injured not making challenges. It, it's just incredible. So it, 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 was, it was considering we lost our half our back four, we, did, we actually did well to get a, a draw, uh, to, to keep us at 1-0. And, uh, you know, I, I left the stage cautiously optimistic by what I'd seen. I don't know if you guys thought the same. Now that you were nodding there, is that, is that pretty much what you felt as well? Uh, in a way, obviously, you, you're never satisfied with coming away from a game with, with nothing, are you really? But I think most Evertonians will agree that there does feel like some form of continuity, whether that's you know, the starting 11 minus a, a number nine, really, which is usually the main focus of your starting 11. But I think in terms of the way that Lampard, he almost seems to have found what he's going to move forward with here with the, the five back, three back, back, however you want to play it. And then rumours around transfers, people coming in. It, it seems like the focus is a, a very much in the right places, really. So the midfield options, in my opinion, Everton have, haven't had a good midfield in, in probably a decade, really, in terms of just consistent growth and a, a pairing or, or, or I don't know, a trio in there. And they've got that now, or seem to have got that if, if Idrissa Gay comes in. And then they're moving on to the next priority, really, and pairing that with the performance on Saturday, I could say, or the way that Everton looked to to play on Saturday. I think it was just maybe missing a little bit of quality and Chelsea-wise, I, I think they're going to really struggle actually this year. They seem to be in a bit of a, a transitional stage where you look at that side they've, they've got and granted they've brought in a number of maybe big names, the likes of Kula Bali and, and a few others, but then this new owner seems to be playing a bit of football manager with them, um, something we're quite used to now actually. Um, and <laughs> I just don't know whether they're in Chelsea have, have always been very reactionary in a way that they'll sack a manager or they'll sign a player. But I don't know what the their direction is at the moment. And it, it seems to be something that Everton, if we did have someone who could put the ball in the back of the net, probably would have taken a little bit more of an advantage on. And, and that's maybe the main annoyance, actually, from Saturday evening is that Everton 
with, I don't know, one or two players who were injured or not available, probably could have taken three points, really. So, as you say, bittersweet, really, that it feels like a bit of direction, a bit of continuity with this side and with the club now. But again, we're going into the second game without a single point and a single goal. So it has to change very quickly or, or people will start to, to murmur, really. But yeah, slightly optimistic. You just need to start picking up points now and then things will very much start to come together. Lyndon, how about you? Same sort of mindset? Yeah, exactly the same kind of mindset. I was I, I was a little underwhelmed by Chelsea, to be honest. I don't know if it was because um, the fact that we had no one to really trouble them up front changed their approach. Um, maybe they had a little bit less urgency, but yeah, I thought they um, they they didn't they didn't look all that all that inspiring. Um, you know, as Adam said, if we'd had someone up front, you know, we could have taken we could have taken at least you know one of the of the chances, particularly if Dominic Calvert Lewin had been there. Um, there were a couple of in the first half, terrific balls into the box that you were just crying out. I and mean, the one that Anthony Gordon, you know, headed really far wide, he <laughs> just thought, well, if that was Dom, you know, you, you, you'd put your put your money on it on him at least testing the goalkeeper or scoring. Um, and I think if we had got a goal in the game, we would have we could, would have got something out of it because, as I say, Chelsea really didn't um, didn't um, trouble us all that much. And ultimately, the game turns on a controversial, you know, penalty decision or. a you know, it's either it's clumsy by Decore, but it's it's one of those decisions that, you know, as I, I think I put on my on my on on Toffee Web, that if it's the if it's it's at Stanford Bridge and the and the shoes on the other foot, we're not getting that penalty, and it's just one of those decisions that, uh, you know, infuriatingly we don't get. Um, and then you know, it, 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 we just we just still do not have um, the luck with us. I mean, Godfrey's injury obviously is is, is just you know. Ill fortune. Um, I mean, he goes in really hard, but I mean, that's that's Godfrey style. Um, and you know, just to, to come away with a with a broken leg, it's just within ten minutes of the start of the season. It really is just so Everton. And then at the other end, I think we just needed a, a bit of luck. You know, um, Damari Gray gets a, a has a chance, and and Thiago Silva diverts it wide. Um, we obviously had that two on one break where you know Gray just puts it, you know, a foot. Behind, you know, if behind uh, Silva, then Gordon's in. Um, so it's yeah, I, I was encouraged from that perspective. I think that we um, there was a there wasn't there wasn't panic, and there wasn't um, we didn't look um, we didn't look like we felt inferior this time, and we, we thought that we played through the lines really confidently at times, much more effectively than we did last season. Um, so there's 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 germs of 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 ideas there from Lampard that are starting to sort of filter through to the players um, where they're having more confidence, you know, passing the ball forward. I thought the Corey was excellent, apart from obviously the the, the penalty incident. Uh, Nathan Patterson, really encouraged by him. I would love to just see him now just take the ball by the horns and and just get a you know a, a run in the side for the entire season because. Going forward, he looks really good. Love his love his attacking instincts. Um, defensively, you know, he looked a little suspect, particularly with Dwight McNeil. The pair of them struggle a bit against Sterling, but that will come. I mean, he's a young lad, and this is with with no expectations really this season, apart from staying up. Um, if he can spend a year really learning his trade at this level, um, I think he's going to. I think he's he has the makings of a really really top attacking fullback. Um, and I mean, on the other side, as as um, as the point was made, um, Mikalenko's um, continuing in the vein that he finished last season. Fanagra looks looks a, a decent prospect as well, um, and it gives you options of of maybe switching those two out. 
you know, if we need Mikalenko to drop into central de- into central defense, then you've got, you know, an, another willing attacking player there. So yeah, on the whole, I was I was encouraged, you know, and I think if you um if we get Adrissa Gay across the line, add that to the signings we've already made, get a striker in. And I think we can do a, a, actually better this season than I think we were all hoping or fearing, whichever it was, you know, before the season started. I think Chelsea fans will go away from that game thinking almost got away with one there because we were nowhere near good enough to probably take the three points. And if you win in a game by one goal and score in a penalty after the previous season, looking to get yourself towards that top two, then I think it obviously speaks volumes about Chelsea, doesn't it? But I think it speaks volumes, as Lyndon said, about this clean slate we've almost got now with, with Everton and with Lampard. And he's almost been, I feel, forced into whether it be a formation or whether it be picking certain players. I think Nathan Patterson is a prime example, actually. And I'm, I don't know whether it was any, ever going to come to fruition, but there was rumours around him going out on loan and Lampard not fancying him and maybe not being ready. But these, when are players ready, especially players like Nathan Patterson, who is he needs a run of games, he needs to play football. And, and the likes of Mikolenko as well has come into the side at such a difficult time. He's shown that he's got that side of his game mentality-wise to almost brush the adversity to the side and, and then carry on and, and try and learn his trade, really. And, and again, I think it's just quite a nice balance that we're building at the moment now. And you look at Connor Cody, you look at James Sarkowski and maybe signings that aren't necessarily fitting the young and hungry mould. However, balance is such a massive part of football and you can have a solid defence which concede don't know, little to no goals every game. And then you've got youngsters who are maybe a little bit raw, a little bit unpredictable. And you pair that with some players who are finding form, your Alex Awobis and hopefully Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray, then you're going to score goals and you're going to hopefully keep clean sheets. And if you do that, usually win games. So hopefully in mm-hmm. uh, in the coming weeks, it, it starts to all come together. But yeah, I think there's a hopefully a real direction now for the club and we can leave last season behind, which is definitely what we need to be doing and, and looking forwards now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you all mentioned passing because I thought he was really good as well. I think he started off quite nervously and there was that, there was that one moment it's right in front of where I sit in the Gladys Street where Sterling squared him up and all, he, all Sterling did was like do a little fake kick and he just jumped up in the air <laughs> and walked past him and I was like, well, that, that's the nervousness I imagine of him playing his first Premier League game against a player like Sterling because any other player doing that, he just stands his ground, maybe moves a little bit but doesn't get you know walked past like he did but I think he really grown into the game after that so encouraging signs from him but you know m- moving on Paul as, I, as the, the, you've all said really Everton have been very busy since then uh, Monday brought in Connor Cody Tuesday brought in Amadou Anana. Uh, we'll, we'll take them in order Connor Cody links sort of came out of nowhere a little bit towards the end of last week I don't think anyone really took them too seriously and then obviously what's happened on, on Saturday is giving Everton a bit of a kick up the backside in regards to, to getting a centre back in <clears throat> They've got him in on loan. They've got him in with an option to buy instead of an obligation to buy. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a player I've always loved or thought he's, you know, top class. But the more you hear about him, the more you hear him speak, the more you speak to people who've watched Wolves for a long time, the, the better a sign in the teams. And in terms of the terms of it, in terms of the, the character of the player, in terms of the system we're going to play, I think it, it ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't it? 
Yeah, Matt. I mean, personally, I, I was really pleased with the sign of Connor Cody. He's a defender I've admired for a number of seasons. I remember uh, last year when Wolves pieces won in February, and he marched their their back four, you know, really well throughout the game. They didn't allow didn't allow us any opportunities. Totally professional performance. And given our appalling track record with injuries for central defenders, I think he's missed three games in five seasons. One there was through COVID, one was through suspension. So with that type of appearance record, you've got somebody with huge Premier League experience who's played at the top level and is acknowledged by you know by most by most football pundits as being a class defender. He's an England international. Be reading some reports about as well that you know during the Euros, uh, Steve Holland said he, he was the um, he was England's best player even though he didn't play, because in the dressing room, he led by example. He spoke to everybody like a captain by example all the time. And I think what I like about Lampard's recruitment policy at the moment is, in the past, we've gone we've gone for names without really doing the background checks on how these people fit into the dressing room, what they bring to the squad. You look like the All Blacks, for example. They have their, like, no dickheads policy, don't they, where they won't pick somebody who's going to unbalance the, 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 you know, the, 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 the camaraderie amongst the players. And I think that's a really important fact because I think in the past we've been guilty of buying individuals and trying to fit them into the team rather than bringing leaders into the squad, players who we know have got the right mindset, who want to play for the club, which is an important difference as well. And it goes to being leadership qualities. Because you saw it on House on Saturday, the way he spoke to people, the way he was arguing the referee. He's lead on the pitch. The more people like that we got on the team, the best. So, yeah, I'm hugely impressed with, with, with Cody. Uh, I think he was got a few goals and set pieces for us as well. And uh, I, I think... To get a player of that experience and that quality, who's, who's an England international on the deal we've gotten for, I think it, it is one of the best pieces of business we've done for a while. Yeah, it is mad, Adam, isn't it, that Wolves have let him go in this capacity? And I know there's a lot of goodwill there between it, the player and the club, and they obviously want him to play regularly to go to so keep in the, in the frame for England. He's been in, I think, every England squad for about three years now. But it's a bit mad from their point of view, isn't it? Because if, if their back four experiment, which they're looking to go through, doesn't work, they've, they've lost the, the key defender for the system that they played for the last five years really well. Yeah, it, it, it seems like there's maybe more than meets the eye there, really. But at the same time, there's always, and I know he's not obviously a, a brand new manager, Bruno Large, but I think the, there's always that one, example that you try and make when you're coming into a team and he's probably just adapted what he had last year obviously taken the job and thought well I'm just gonna have to work with what I've got and, and maybe try and stamp my authority come the start of the new season and well what's more of a stamp of authority than getting rid of your captain and, and possibly a, you well definitely a, the player that's played the most minutes over the last number of years so yeah seems like a strange one there one of me, me good friends who I lived with when I lived down in Birmingham was a, a big Wolves fan and He's a little bit perplexed by it as well. And yeah, maybe just something that the managers tried to do to say, well, this is my team now. This is my way of playing and, and this is what I want to see for the future. So yeah, who else but to, to get rid of than, than your main man, really? But yeah, their losses hopefully are gain. And as, as Paul said, there's there's a way of recruiting this, this balance that I've alluded to before. And, and Connor Cody feels like a really good balance. And you need players who are going to, there's always going to be little groups within a squad and that, and that's fine as long as people are gelling together as a whole on the pitch. You're going to have your good mates and you're going to have maybe your teammates. And Connor Cody feels like one who could float around those groups actually and become very well thought of across the board, not just with the team itself, but you look at the, the staff, Ashley Cole, who's maybe around, you know, not far the same age really, and trying to get this very much club-like feel between Everton, which we've, we've lacked a lot of in the, the past two years at least. Um, 
hopefully there's a plan in place here and it feels quite nice to have a plan in place and yeah, we don't know how it's going to transfer onto the pitch, but it seems like Kevin Thelwell and Frank Lampard have been given the reins and um, yeah, keep it going because it's it's nice to see a team being built and instead of, as Paul said, a group of individuals which we've had for years gone by now. And as both the lads have mentioned, Lyndon, a player who's very rarely injured, very rarely suspended, like James Tarkovsky and I think, I think what this does do as well is it gives Everton the opportunity to build some cohesion, doesn't it? Because you can't really build cohesion when your best centre-back is out injured or gets injured every time he plays. You know, you can't build cohesion when you've got players who may be a little bit up and down in the form. But I think in Tarkovsky and Cody, you've got at least two parts of a back three there who should play, who should be fit good characters and are going to deliver seven out of ten performances every week and that and that, that must be good for the rest of the defence and the rest of the team. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, the, the, the Eri Mina situation was, you know, tragic, comically ridiculous last season. It, it's verging on absolute fast now after after last Saturday. It was staggering uh, that on Saturday. It was just, it's like, as, soon, as soon as he stopped that, I knew, you, could, you could almost, I think everyone on the ground knew what was going to happen five seconds later. Yeah. And yeah, and he's going to try and convince you know the physio that he can keep playing on, and then it emerges that he's going to be out for three months with a you know, with a soft tissue injury. Like, well, Yeri, how are you going to play on? You know, it's just he's a bit of a nutter. But um, I mean, it, to, to your point, you know, you, you can't build anything um, um, stable without a stable back four, you know, or a back five, or, or whatever. You need that that's that central defensive contingent. Um, to, to build a partnership, which, you know, some of the, the greatest Everton sides of, of the past and, you know, and championship sides of other clubs have been. You need stable, uh, you need stability back there. And certainly in Tarkovsky and, and Cody, I mean, let's not uh, touch wood, let's not jinx anything, now. this being Everton, but they have, as you say, tremendous attendance, re- uh, you know, availability records. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's two um, bona fide leaders in an area or rather in a team that, that we as fans have been banging on for ages saying there are no leaders in this team. There's no one in there to, you know, to, 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 to pull people into line, to get into the referee's face. And now we potentially have two right there in the back, uh, in the back line, each of whom could take the, the captains, the team captain's armband, you know, and, and run with it. So from that perspective, I think it's, it's fantastic business for this season. We've got two really solid potentially even more so for um, centre-backs for no outlay, you know, for free. And yes, they're both 29, but, you know, centre-backs, they tend to be a little bit, uh, a couple of years behind in terms of reaching their peak anyway than outfield players. So I think it's brilliant business. Um, and, you know, Cody has the, uh, has the, the potential to, 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 uh, as I think it was Paul said, um, you know, to be a, a figure in the club for quite a while, for for many years to come. He just, you know, he's a, he's local, and it just has that feeling that yes, you know, he he's, he's he was a red, but um, it feels like he could, you know, he could really become um, a really important figure in the club, uh, and we need that. We need that. We need more of that. I know he's a red, but someone's dug out a picture of him, Walter Smith, having me in his Everton in an Everton kit from all those years ago. Understandable. <laughs> and I think I'm not I'm not really seeing many people mention the whole Liverpool thing, Adam. And maybe I think that's probably because when he did his interview and you know what followed, he, he did seem genuinely made up, didn't he, to to, to be here? And you know, I think players in the past when they, they do those sometimes go through the motions and, and they know what to say, but. There is a sincerity about what he said, I think, and, and the way in which he spoke. And of course, 
what also followed with his, his family and, and what they put on Instagram, his kids all in Everton kit, you know, him saying about his kids playing at the academy. But it, it does seem genuinely buzzing for, for this move to happen. And I think that, that's earned him a, a lot of favour with people. Yeah, I think he's got a, a free pass, really, hasn't he? Especially with the last uh, fella who knew the city to become part of our club. Uh, <laughs> he did say those words in his interview, didn't he? And I he did, he did yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see the bed sheets now. But um, I think it's, yeah, it just comes down to, you can tell straight away with, with, a, with a person whether they're being sincere or not. And, and Connor Cody comes across as that. It's almost like a, I'm coming home type of thing. And if, if you probably look in between the lines of that, whether he has lived at home and travelled down to Wolverhampton on a daily basis. It's not the nicest drive, you could say, and back and forth with a young family, with you know, friends who are living up in, in, in the city and almost feeling like, well, if you don't miss a game, you're never going to be missing a, a training session, are you? And, and it's, it could be draining for him. And, and as he said, he's 29 years of age now and he probably just wants to settle down, enjoy his time with his family and in, in the city and then enjoy his football paired with that. And he might have been probably thinking you could drop down lower or maybe go a little bit further afield, but it feels to him and it feels to us like Everton's a really good match. And if you've got a happy player off the field, then hopefully that transfers to, to on it as well. So yeah, in terms of him being a, a copite, I'll, uh, I'll give him a pass on this one as long as he plays well and uh, yeah, does what he says he does in, in his interviews. But as you say, I think it feels like he will do. And it's a bit of a win-win really if he, if he performs and he earns his move. And if he doesn't perform to how we've wanted him to, then we're not obliged to be spending stupid money as we have done over the years. Yeah, seems to make a lot of sense, that one. Um, and going, Paul, from the players we know well, who are very dependable, very consistent. Everton spent €40 million Euros potentially on a 20-year-old midfielder from Ligue 1, Amadou Anana from Lille. Um, I don't know if anyone's watched a lot of French football in the last year or so, but he, <laughs> if he did, you wouldn't have seen him play that much because he only made 11 starts for Leo last year. But that being said, every YouTube Scotland video I've watched, everything I've heard Roberto Martin say this morning, everything I heard <laughs> yeah. Julian Ron say on, on our interview with him earlier this week, um, people have got a lot of good things to say about this guy, and I reckon he's going to be the business. Yeah, well, I think we all hope you're correct in, in that assessment, Matt. I think, yeah, I mean, you, you, you look, at, I think if we mentioned his name this time last year in the Blue Room, I don't think we've got a reaction because I don't think he's a name familiar to most of us on the show here. But the more I've even heard about this guy, the more I, I'm quite impressed with his background. Now, I went like you, I watched the Masters interview this morning as well, and a couple of things really stood out for me. And we referenced before, I think Adam and Linda referenced as well, but the importance of getting players who fit into the team epic, the team... The, the, the camaraderie amongst the team and all I've read about Anano and Martin has backed this up this morning is that he's a leader he's a captain he leads by example and at, at the, that to me is really encouraging uh, he's captain of the Belgian on, on 21 teams he's, he's an outside chance for being in the World Cup squad so he's got everything to prove at Everson when he comes here now because he knows if he can get a regular place with good performances he's going to be a shoo-in for Qatar so I'm sure that, that'll be his ambition as well and I know Roberto has a tendency to praise everyone from and trying to outcut his onwards, but uh, I think his assessment as national team coach was spot on. And I know the comparison has been made with Madame Fellaini. I know there are lots of similarities there. They were both 20 when they signed for the club. They were both relatively unheard of you know, in, in the UK. And I, I just think 
if you compare it to the Moisey Keane signing, because I, I, I never felt Moisey Keane was going to fit in from day one. He just didn't seem to have the right mindset, the right attitudes. Whereas I think this player has, and I think he's going to, like you, I'm excited to watch him play for Everton. I think if he plays in front of the back three or back four, I think he's going to provide another level of cover there for him, which makes it difficult to beat. He's a box-to-box player, so he's going to link up with the attack as well. He's going to give us another attacking threat. So I'm not expecting to start straight away, but I'm expecting to be fed in gradually as we work our way through the season. And uh, I think potentially it's a brilliant buy for us. And it, you know, we talked before, I think Adam mentioned about buying experienced players, which you need to do, but you also need to buy young potential with also you know, a, a potential selling value that doesn't quite work out for us. So I, I, I think it's, it's got the possibility of, of being an excellent signing for the club. And one point I would make was when we appointed Lampard, I was always really hopeful that his name would attract players to the club we wouldn't attract before. Rafa Benitez would not have attracted Bernardo's join Everson. Lampard, with his international stature and standing as an England international, he is going to attract players to the club who in the past would not have given us a second look. So I think that's really positive. The few things I'm, I'm very much excited and, and really impressed with, with Amadou Anana. And first of all, can't believe how well he speaks English. Like it's scary. It's amazing, 20, isn't it? <laughs> Twenty years of age. Like it's mad. He speaks better than half the English lads playing in the Premier League. Yeah, he does. And then it's it, like he just comes across like he's got this unerring confidence, and he'll take things in his stride. And he's obviously got you know glowing references from around France and, and obviously Belgium. And it seems like he's done his research himself as well. Actually, speaking to Lukaku and doing his background checks on who's played for Everton and, and what it means to play for Everton. And then secondly, really, not just Onana himself, but the Idrissa Ghana Gay and Onana appointments or bringing them in on those transfers, it almost feels like, well, here's the, the current, I think you, you mentioned it, didn't you, Matt, in, in your uh, podcast with Julian, is that you've got the current now of this is what we need to put out this fire and you've also got the future of his uh, Onana to come in. And I think they're even from the same City in Senegal as well, actually, which is born in Dakar. Yeah, it's just hopefully Kevin Thelwell's meant this, and I'm pretty sure he will have meant this. But (laughs) you have again that continuity of here's the man that's playing at the top level in French football, Champions League. He's been there, done that. He's been at the club, and here's the lad who is looking to do so. And and you've just got them two who will, of course, speak the same language and of course have similar experiences from before football. And it just feels like this Idrissa Garnaghe is, is the perfect catalyst for Onana to, to grow into football and grow into that role on the, the pitch itself, really. So it just, yeah, feels really exciting. It's hard not to, to run with it as much as we want to, really. But again, it's, it's one of those things where he signed on a decent fee, of course, which you're going to have to do if you're looking to get this top talent. But you're very rarely going to make a, a big loss on players like that because they are so young, they're so well thought of. And listen, you can move mm-hmm. them on and recoup a little bit of what you may have lost. But I don't think that's going to be the case with him. And he's going to hopefully be in our midfield for I don't know, the next decade, really, if, if he plays his card rights. Yeah, I think Lyndon, you know, Adam's spot on there. And when, you, when you're a bit cash-strapped, I think, as Everton are, obviously they found a bit of money recently haven't satisfied the profits and sustainability rules. But... You know, when you're not as flush as the other sides and you need to sort of pick and choose where you spend your money, these are the sorts of players I think that I'm happy to see Everton spending <laughs> big on because, you know, Paul mentioned Moise Keane there who came to Everton, absolutely flopped, 100%. And Everton are in a position now where he went out on loan, did well, and they're probably going to make the money back, if not a bit more on him. It feels like mm-hmm. 
this this is the way to do it, isn't it? If you're going to do it at all, it, it is the way. And and I think a, a lot of us knew that even when the the you know the, the cash was th- the, the sorry the club was throwing cash at the likes of you know Gilfie Sigurdsson who's 27 years old. You know this is this is the way that you if you if you if you aren't able to build a team that wins silverware, this is how you progress. You know the Leicester have been doing it really well as you buy players young and you sell them on for profit, and that's that that is the model. Um, I, I echo what Paul said about um, Moise Keane. I, I wasn't, I never got the sense that he was going to fit in. He he, he had a, a sort of a, you know, almost like a fancy den arrogance about him. Uh, whereas uh, Onana, I mean, he, he's he's mature, um, but he's um, not in a not in a cocky way. You know, he's self assured um, and poised. Um, uh, anyone who can segue from an on-camera interview into a full-on pop video did you see that video where he goes into a, <laughs> he does a full-on like <laughs> it's hilarious but i mean yeah he's he's sure of himself but yeah he he just seems to have this um this air of maturity about him that he's not going to let anything you know get to his head uh in the way that i think was the case w- w- with moise keen um, and in terms of the the Fellaini comparison, I think um, if you compare the two markets at the time, the the, the fee once you adjust for the, you know the massively inflated uh, prices that are in the Premier League now, it's probably very similar. Uh, I think we paid fifteen million for for Fellaini, um, and the beauty of this one obviously is that uh, you know our down payment is under ten million. Um, uh, you know, with the arrangement we struck with Lille, um, you know, we'll pay it over the life of the of the contract, which is exactly how it, everything fits into our current uh you know our current finances and the need to you know amortization across as i say across the the life of these uh these five-year deals so it it's um you kind of get a sense from the people who actually watch this stuff on a regular basis like you make greenals you know they who who follow the you know the scouting and you can get a sense of a player that way so that when when it's emerged that West Ham had sort of agreed a fee my heart sank a little but even though I really don't know much about this fella you know you just kind of get a sense about you know if if, if other clubs are talking about him in this fashion and someone like David Moyes is prepared to lash you know more than 30 million on a player then there's probably something to it so that when we when we came in with our bid I was and you know and and we were seemingly prepared to push the boat out just a little bit further in terms of personal terms than than Moyes and and his employers were um i was i was made up so i'm i'm trying not to get ahead of myself i'm actually really excited by this one and um yeah put it put him straight in the team <laughs> would you play him straight away on saturday i, I if just a gay doesn't get over the line in time to be registered um i would yeah i mean he's played champions league football um yeah. i know he's only made you know 11 stars for Lille, but when you look at the alternatives that we have um, now I know, I mean, Dukuri and Iwobi actually did very well together. Um, and I was actually surprised how well they did being two, you know, players who are, you know, Iwobi uh, is obviously an attacking midfielder, um, but, but, you know, I want him further forward. I want him influencing things for, up further up the pitch because he really, I mean, the, the transformation that he has undergone in the last few months under Lampard is, is astonishing to me. I mean, I think a lot of us had written Iwobi off. And now you're kind of looking at him as as a as a kind of you know the playmaker linchpin um, potentially in, in a in a successful side. So um, I would put him straight in if it were me. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what 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 Frank does. Paul Adam, are you having that straight in the side at the weekend? 
I'd be happy with him being on the bench. I, I, I understand Linda's views and, and it's fantastic. And the, uh, the, the, the fans... Very polite, it's a very polite way of saying I disagree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I don't particularly. I just think it's, it's a bit of a gamble at the moment. He's you, just getting to know the squad. He's getting to know the players. He's getting to know the system. I'd be more than happy to have him on the bench to come on and make an impact. I think you made a good point there, Lyndon, as well, that uh, I thought Arobi and Decori played quite well on Saturday, but I think Onana will bring a bit more than either those two bring to the game as well. So if you put me on the spot, if you played on Saturday, I'd be, I'd be thrilled to see him play. My preferred choice would be to put him on the bench and maybe you give him around 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game to get him integration into the team. But if he plays on Saturday, I'm more than happy with that. But realistically, I think he probably will be on the bench. You know, it, it's unusual yeah. for a for a yeah. for a new signing. I mean, Dwight McNeil was a bit of an exception given the the you know the, the situation that we had. But it, it's usual that a new signing will start on the bench, and you know, because he's only been with us with the team a few days. But you know, as I say, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be upset to see him in the team. <laughs> I think as well, then as well. I have this old-fashioned viewpoint that I like to see players make their first appearance for Everton in front of the home fans rather than the away fans. That's yeah, that'd be too nice too. Yeah. Forest at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Adam, what about you, mate? Um, I don't know. Why not? Why not? I think it's, <laughs> as I said, the, the way he's come across from the initial interviews and just his, his stature and a bit of an aura about him, isn't there really the way he's, you know, he walked into the Finch Farm gym the other day and he arrived at training this morning and you can you can just tell that the fella's got confidence. So why not? Why not give him a chance to to show us what he can do? And listen, it's going to be a tough test on, on Saturday afternoon and Villa are, in my opinion, there for the taking. And why wouldn't you want to, to get one of your, your biggest signings of the summer playing straight away? That is one side of the coin. The other side is, listen, I think Iwobi and Decore did well against Chelsea. I think Villa are going to be a, a different test, but I definitely, yeah, definitely have him as an option. And, and if anything, having him in that conversation in a, is only a positive, actually, because the likes of Abdullah Decore, who, in my opinion, had a really poor season last season and can definitely improve on a number of aspects. If you're looking over his shoulder now thinking, I'm not guaranteed a place in this 11. I've probably gone from maybe the, the, the top choice central midfielder at Everton to, to looking at two or three now, actually. If you bring a dress again to that, then... You're looking around at Alex Awobi, who, as the lads have said, is pretty undroppable at the moment. Onana, who's your big, young prospect. And Adrissa Gay, who we know what he's all about. So it can only be a positive for the side. And you look at the defence as well. I know that obviously we've lost Godfrey and, and Mina as well. But you look at Mason Holgate's performances last season. And then the width as well with, with Dwight McNeil. It, it's turning into a side that is not just going to be performing because it's got quality in it, but it's going to start performing now because it needs to. Otherwise, you're your place in that starting eleven is is definitely not guaranteed. So yeah, getting him in and around the squad, and if it's pushing others to do well, great. And if it's him playing, so be it. Great as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is one glaring omission though, which very quickly talk about before we go. Uh, Everton uh, didn't have a strike at the weekend. They've got Salomon Rondon back for Saturday. Uh, loads of names linked in the last twenty four hours. Uh, Armando Brosier. Uh, Shea Adams, I think, as, as you mentioned, Paul, uh, the lad from Coventry, Giorgires, and someone from Wren in uh, in the name of uh, Jurassi, I think his name is. So four strikers linked in, in the last 24 hours. Uh, Lyndon, how, how do you think all this plays out? Is there is there one of those four that you feel is more likely than others or you, you'd want to see come through the door more than others? I mean, Brozier feels probably, you know, the one that most people would want, but maybe is bottom of the list in terms of how likely it is. 
Yeah, given that Chelsea got, got just got rid of uh, Timo Werner and have loaned Lukaku out and really are in the same boat as us and have <laughs> no strikers, uh, it's yeah, it's mad what's going on there. But um, I, I think we actually need to be looking at two. And that's why, you know, if we can get Brogian on loan, as, as, as you say, as unlikely as that might be, uh, then, then there's scope to actually buy another one. Um, you know, the, the lad from Coventry, you can probably get that one over the line for a modest fee. Um, I know next to nothing about him. Um, but uh, yeah, it, this one, we, it can't go down to the, to, to the deadline, but some of the, at least one of them might, because, you know, just because of the way that the, the market works. Um, so it really is on on Salomon's shoulders um, on on Saturday, and then, I mean, you'd hope that, but by the time we if Forrest comes around, we've got someone else in, um, because yeah, it's you know before the season started, I was wondering where the goals were going to come from, um, even with Calvert Lewin in the side, because you know he hasn't been um, firing for you know for the best part of a year. Now with him gone, I mean, there really is, it's, it's a massive concern. So yeah, how it shakes, I'm not sure, but um, I, I, the urgency is there um, and you hope they can get someone in over the line pretty quickly. I don't know what you mean, is the, the name of the, from that four that's jumping out or any, anyone else that not mentioned? I think I'm in the vein of, if I've never heard of them, then they're definitely the answer. Um, so the lad from, <laughs> the lad from Ren. Looks like he's going to be one of the best strikers ever, doesn't he? So I'll get him in. Uh, and then you get Shea Adams in, who's maybe the uh, yin to the yang of this unknown forward. Uh, but I think, joking aside, actually, it's quite it's probably quite nice to maybe go for that way of, of thinking, actually. I think Shea Adams, as much as he might be, I don't know, not as exciting as the other names because, well, we've never heard of a couple of them anyway. Um, he, he's a proven Premier League forward he's probably he's definitely a proven Premier League goal scorer isn't he I think he's he's done very well at Southampton and I feel like he's the type of player that would just fit into a system and, and do well and then on, on the other side of that is the young lad from whether it be Coventry or Ren. I, I think again is that 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 build that that Frank Lampard and Kevin Thelwell are going after and probably comes down to finances really and it seems like the the French leagues are a little bit more lenient in terms of you know smaller upfront payments and and you see where you go with that. But I definitely believe we need to. I'm, I'm just not sure on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I don't know whether I mentioned it on on a podcast recently, but something just something doesn't feel right with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and hasn't felt right with him for a while. And I know that the Crystal Palace goal is, is hopefully a line in the sand for him. But again, another injury is going to be out for at least six weeks. I think last time he came back, he, he couldn't get up to full speed again. And he's so fine-tuned, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, that if he's not at 100%, then he's probably not anywhere near 50%, is he really? So, yeah, you can't just be going into a full season with maybe Salomon Rondon and Shea Adams or Salomon Rondon and a young lad who's definitely not proven. So, if we can get both, maybe a little bit more of experience and a little bit more excitement, then go for that. But I haven't really got a priority in terms of those four names. Broyer is is one that I think is, is stuck in many Evertonians' mind because he's a young exciting player who's obviously Chelsea wouldn't have him for, for no reason at all. But again, if we're not going to get him on the right deal, then why wouldn't you look elsewhere and, and give it a bit of a gamble? But again, if you're going to go for a gamble, then you might need to bring someone else like Shea Adams in, who's, who's definitely more experienced in, in scoring goals in, in our league in particular. Paul, well, finally, what, what about you, mate? Is, you know, does it depend on that? Is it just about getting the, the right deal for Everton, I suppose? I think at the moment it's more a case of just getting any striker in, given all the total lack of options. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what Lyndon and Adam said there. I, I, I think uh, 
Che Adams, to me, from the ones who have been mentioned, looks a potentially decent acquisition. I mean, he's got Premier League experience. I think he's got he's got 20 goals and 90 plus appearances of Southampton. So he's showing he's got Premier League level. I believe Leeds are interested in him as well. So you're always quite encouraged when another club is, is attracted to a player that you're after as well. So he, he would be, be okay, but he's 26, so he's still got a point to prove as well. And it, I kind of like these players who've made progress on the lower league to make it to the Premier League. So I think they've got more appreciation of what you have to do, what determination you have to show, what characteristics you bring to the team to progress your career. And for him, not, I'm not just seeing Southampton here, but for him to move from Southampton to Everton, I think it's a move upwards in terms of his career because if he makes it at Everton, then he's really setting himself up, you know, to establish himself as, as a successful Premier League striker. So I'd be more than happy to Adams. Uh, I'll be on. I'll be on my own. If I had the money, I'd go for Alfredo Morales every time. But I know. <laughs> the, 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 I know that's just just me. But a few points. And the other person I was, I was wondering about. I mean, Chris Woods and Newcastle United not getting the game at the moment on the bench most weeks. I don't know. You, you can't look at who's available, who, who, who might come into the club. Uh, I like. I like the idea of Boya. My only concern is, you know. He's only going to come for 12 months without an option to buy it. And I think that changes your mindset slightly in terms of fitting into the group because everyone else we've brought in on though, there's, there's an option to buy, which makes them more determined to do well. So I think Chad was more than happy with, but we just need somebody. But then, then this conversation, you know, we could be really doing Rondon a disservice. You might be coming back super fit, slim, with an eye for goal. And maybe the answer all along was lying on our books. Yeah, Patrick on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> conversation, uh, but uh, Shea Adams, his middle name is also Everton, isn't it as well? So yeah, yeah. How oh, is it really? Yeah, it's yeah. one of his th- one of his three middle names. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it's yeah. in the stars. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there this week, lads. Uh, cheers to Paul, Adam, and Lyndon. We will of course be back over the weekend with our instant reaction to Villa. If you want a bit more from us? It's over on Blue Room Extra. Uh, patreon.com slash the blue room extra if you want to hear a little bit more paul you want to make one more final point yes one final point i mentioned back before we started before the show started a couple of friends were in the fresh field this afternoon uh and stephen gerard was drinking in there and they were definitely trying to earwig his conversation and according to them i'm not sure it's something reliable he left the pub saying to his friends i'd be happy with the points on saturday so let's see there you go he was mm-hmm. con- He's drinking at the fourth time to be on a Salomon round yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, already <laughs> in his head. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we will we will leave it there. Uh, cheers to the lads. Cheers for listening. Uh, up the toffees. Uh, it's been an exciting week. That's over the end on Saturday. Three points. Podcast Network.